Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I am your co-host, Mike One, co-host also Mike on the line. And Mike, we are joined once again by one of our favorite co-hosts to kick off the Oscars road. Yeah, an annual tradition here at MMO. Ryan McQuaid of In Session Film, awardswatch.com, the playlist news, film speak. He's everywhere. He used to be just a man about town. Now he's a man about the town. We see him mixing it up in Los Angeles, in Hollywood, uh, quite a bit this year, Ryan. I mean, you've really been out there. Critics' Choice Awards as well. And, yeah, man, I, I, I love to see it and, and love to, to read all your work. You're doing a great job. Thanks, guys. I mean, it's wonderful that your your money's going to good use. <laughs> <laughs> well, your money. You you've paid me to say. Trips. You paid me to <laughs> well, say. Well, I did pay you to say that, but but you mm-hmm. guys also have been funding these trips, you know, mm-hmm. with the with the Illuminati. Oh, wait, I wasn't supposed right, to right. talk about, oh, shit, I'm going to get in trouble at the meeting next week. Anyway, no, it's all it's always wonderful to be here with you guys and. And, uh, and talk about movies, talk about the Oscars. Uh, in a weird way, I guess we'll talk about the Oscars today, but um, because the topic's a little bit different. But uh, yeah, it's always great to be with you. Guys. So, was True Detective season two real? <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're focused on today. Oh, is that what it is? <laughs> I thought it was. Uh, I can blindside you with the podcast. I thought off. it was can real, I, and it conf- is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to confirm or deny that Vince Vaughn and I hung out a lot. Um, and uh, that says nothing about his or my politics. Uh, I didn't know you were so a, tall. How tall are you, by the way? You're like, you're very tall. You're like a big guy. Six, I'm like six, six. Yeah, you're a big guy. Uh, uh, I'm six foot, six foot okay. one. The scouting on the for the Knicks never stops with this one. That's I'm, yeah, Look, I'm a tail of the tape guy. You play point? Yeah. I size people point. What's your 40? Can you spell Brunson for a few minutes out there? <laughs> we do have a different type of podcast today, but it is going to end up Oscars focused. But yeah, we, we invited Ryan. We figured we'd talk about our favorites and people who won uh, the film year 2023, Michael. Yeah, this is a top 10 winners of the film year theme for today. It's a lead into the Mike, Mike and Oscars, which will be not the next episode, but the, the episode after that probably do like a super bowl show you know wrap-up show after this one but uh yeah i mean ryan uh, you're covering the year uh in film year round like us and wow we're all having trouble speaking today is it just me at this point but uh, i think uh, i'm doing fine i haven't <laughs> fucked up at all that's right it's I, just you because i edited out my no, okay yeah you did you <laughs> mike loved like 14 lines at the beginning and it's a contagious apparently but but look at i mean in terms of a winner it could be a person it could be a genre of film it could be a character type however we wanted to take it uh that's how we did so ryan's gonna start us off this will end up being a top 10 unless we add honorable mentions but yeah top 10 winners of the film year ryan mcquade you lead off buddy oh well it, it, i don't think that there was any bigger winner this year than christopher nolan mm. um for a little movie that he made called oppenheimer I haven't heard of it um, i know it's kind of <laughs> weird right that it went under the radar uh i think that i think the reason why that the um that oppenheimer 
in and Nolan, I think, are the real winners of. They're like my number one winner of the year, so that's mm. why like, mm. it's a great way to start off. So everybody else, you're just bottom tier. No, it's not my first top <laughs> um, ten. Yep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, the reason why I think that they that he and his film are a big winner is because I think there was a little bit of doubt mm. in the success and the accessibility that Oppenheimer would have. You also have to remember this. I mean, we all know that part of Barbenheimer was the idea of both Barbie and Oppenheimer. And Barbie was still tracking really well box office and feels more of a summer movie play, a, you know, a two hour comedy pink fun time at the movies, right? It's perfect for the summer. Mm-hmm. You had Mission Impossible come out the week before. You had Indiana Jones come out that uh, that week before and some other movies that came out after. You had to have audience buy in to a three-hour biopic with half of it or a little less than half of it set in black and white and with a, a, an actor. I love Killian Murphy, but unless you've... Most people probably haven't seen Peaky Blinders, general audiences, unless you own Netflix. So you don't know him as the lead, but you know Robert Downey Jr., Emily Blunt, Matt Damon, all the, the other cast of characters. And for it to make nearly a billion dollars and for it to shatter all expectations prove that Christopher Nolan no longer is just one of the biggest directors of his generation. He is the director of his generation. He is the man of Hollywood. Like James Cameron's making a bunch of shit with blue people. Uh, (laughs) That's how I describe him too. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And he, and though I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get into the way of water because I know how uh, you guys stand on that. <laughs> I like that movie. That's fine. But, That's fine. Uh, but I'm not but against you. Be, but it, I know you're against people that give money yeah. to directors. Um, but but he's going to be stuck, though he chose to be stuck in that way, uh, for the remainder of his career, right? And Nolan now seems like okay. Then he is moved into that Spielbergian. Cameron realm where he is a brand within himself and everybody will follow him to whatever depths of hell that he creates. And I think within that also, he made his masterpiece. Mm. I think this is the best film he's ever made. Um, I think that on a technical level, there's no other film this year uh, that wowed me nearly as much on a performance based level. Uh, it's got, tons of the best performances of the year and i mean tons because there's a giant cast in this movie uh and i think that it's it's sharply written um the score is mind-blowingly amazing and shattering records Mm. online i was able while you know you say being out there in la i was in la and able to see uh this the score performed Mm. with a live orchestra oh that's so cool that is cool i was was so jealous of that yep it was un, an, an unholy experience because it was just like, my God, how are we able to, how am I able to do this and watch this? And it kind of recontextualized everything. And, and every time I watched, the, the tension is still there. The intent of Nolan with that tension is still there. I think also to the ending is it's bone chilling. It's like up there with Killers of the Flower Moon for me in terms of having an ending that just kind of hits and stays with you. Mm. And it's the kind of movie I like to see. These are like the three-hour biopic historical epics are the things that you guys and I love. Mm. And, uh, yeah, so I am I'm honestly 
really excited about watching this movie over and over again and uh kind of like i haven't been with nolan since maybe the dark knight when that came out because yeah. like i've liked all of nolan's films but there hasn't been like the obsession point mm-hmm. and i think that that movie hit hit the consciousness hit the zeitgeist and changed history much like i think uh, Oppenheimer will for him. So yeah, it was it was clear he had to be number one when right. you guys asked me uh, yeah. who you wanted to put on the list. I don't want to undercut your your what you're uh, going to do for predictions later on, right? But like, I guess as a, so, I'm not going to ask you to predict what you think Oppenheimer is going to win at the Oscars. But like, what's the best day at the Oscars for Oppenheimer for you? For me, yeah. Um, <laughs> um. Well, I think the best day for it is actually very much in play and in a reality, which is nine wins, 10 wins. Yeah. That's that yeah. that's on the table for it. it. It, I mean, it's walking in on Oscar night already with five, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. potentially six, depending on if you think best picture is already locked up, which a lot of people already do. And I mean, it, we just need the proof, right? It just, you can feel that the, we just need PGA. You don't necessarily need SAG, but like BAFTA will, most likely go for it as well too mm-hmm. and uh you know because no one's going to take director and it's going to take cinematography and editing and sound and score so that's five uh then you get tricky with like okay is downey a lock because if you think Downey's a lock then that's six if you think pictures are locked that's seven then does killian murphy win over paul giamatti that's eight mm. uh and the screenplay it would be, it would feel weird that if it won all that and did win screenplay, so you might as well predict it. Though it, it obviously could still go to like Greta Gerwig or Cord Jefferson, right? And that's Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach. Sorry, I always keep forgetting about Noah Baumbach. Um, and so, but it could win. That's that's nine. And then what if it upsets in another category because people are just voting down the the list? Like, what if it upsets in production design or upsets in costumes? Yeah. Or heaven forbid. What if Blunt pulls a Jamie Lee Curtis? You know what I mean? And and surprises here in the late surge and she overtakes Randolph and, and wins. Like you don't know. So um which I I wouldn't like because I think Randolph's better than her. Right. Yeah. Um but I but again I didn't like Jamie Lee Curtis either and look how that fucking happened. So uh yeah, best day, ten wins. Wow. Best day, more wins than the movie last year. Which would be great because this is a better movie than the one that won last year. <laughs> Certainly in play, like you said. Well, Mike, let mm-hmm. me set you up here because uh, I'm wondering if you think. I mean, I, I'm just. I don't want to go on a limb. I don't want to step on your toes like I normally do. You would do, never. But... You would never. Those are those are big feet. <laughs> I mean, do you think, Mike? I mean, do you really want to take this stance right now that Universal uh, that they're happy Barbie and WB chose the same release date? As them. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Ryan made the point, and I don't know who like helped out the other movie more, but that was uh, one of my first entries for uh, for winners of the year, is it's either the marketing teams or theaters or the idea that studios, <laughs> major studios can release blockbusters on the same day without or worrying spite. about it too much. Or it might have been Spite. Yeah, spite, plays, spite and spite, Brass Balls yeah. plays a big role into what happened here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you had Universal releasing Oppenheimer and Barbie releasing WB. They did some heavy lifting at the box office, uh, thanks in part, at least, to their large marketing budgets. And 
which is a wild thing to look up online because I have credible sources that say that they spent either 10 and 11 million dollars on marketing or upwards of 150 million dollars on marketing. I mm. don't know where that disparity comes in, but nonetheless, I can point you to sources that cite both those numbers. So regardless, there was a lot of marketing dollars poured into both those movies. But what matters is that both films were financial successes. Ryan said it, Oppenheimer is just shy of a billion dollars right now worldwide. Barbie won the 2023 box office with its $1.4 billion plus rake. Both movies were the first pair of films to open over $80 million in the same single weekend. They made for the biggest weekend in AMC's history. They were responsible for the biggest industry weekend of all time, which didn't feature either a superhero or a lightsaber. They broke a zillion other records as well but the most important thing they broke at least to me was that idea that these studios can release these blockbusters on the same day without fear they unlocked something in social media and it's proof that like when you become a meme Mm. you have a lot of your work done for you a lot of this marketing was done because (laughs) barbenheimer was its own thing and people were able to meme the the weekend coming up, and people were able to like make all these different gifs and memes. I call them gifs. I don't. That felt dirty calling it a gif, but whatever. <laughs> of all of these two movies coming out together, so I, I think there was something unlocked in the marketing. Whether it is the marketing, whether it is the theaters, I think they're all kind of winners of twenty twenty three for that reason. And yeah, it did come out about because of spite. I mean, look at the series of events you needed in order to have the Barbenheimer weekend take place in the first place. You needed Christopher Nolan and WB to have their big falling out. You needed Christopher Nolan to negotiate a, basically a hard and fast date with Universal and all the bells and whistles that he got in his deal with Universal. No film will be released within three weeks on either side of Oppenheimer by Universal, so they couldn't move Oppenheimer's date even when Barbie did set in, because otherwise they would have had to move their whole slate, etc., etc. A big marketing budget that was attached to it, a big uh, production budget that was attached to it, yada, yada, yada. And then WB had to turn around and kind of get petty and be like, hey, F you, Christopher Nolan. We're going to challenge you directly at the box office by putting our big blockbuster movie, Barbie, on the same release date, and we're not budging either. And it worked out to both uh, studios' benefits there. It's uh, yeah, isn't, that, isn't that great? Isn't that great that we had choices? I, I mean, you know I, mean? I, I, this is, I don't understand, like... People, people will cite, if you look up marketing articles on, on these two movies, like, oh, they didn't share their, uh, they didn't split the audience. They weren't able to cannibalize the audience. I think that's BS, because there were, how, how many of us spent the weekend at the movies? Like, all right, I'm going to see Barbie first, and then I'm going to see Oppenheimer, or vice versa. So, like, yeah. you didn't split the audience. It was the same audience going, you have to have the goods, you have to deliver. Uh, obviously, both movies need to be good enough to stand on their own to draw in people. But, like, if you have those, regardless of what the audience is that you're going after, I think it's going to help in the long term. And I think Barbenheimer kind of proved that. Yeah. I mean, also, to to do, to your to your point, hmm. and uh, not to steal something off of your lovely worded spreadsheet, <laughs> is we've seen this happen before in history with Christopher Nolan movies going up against other things. You look at like the Dark Knight going up against Mamma Mia. Mm-hmm. I'll even take one, Big Hero Six going up against Interstellar, mm-hmm. and the idea of, of that no and like there were so many people. I and shout out to uh, my lovely team over at, at Awards Watch. But when we did our box office movie draft, and we pick, I think we ended up picking like Oppenheimer fourth because we were nervous about it because I think you know like fourth pick and like eight films had been off the board already right mm. and we picked we picked it and I was like I I think he'll I think he'll make money because even during the pandemic like Tenet made three hundred million dollars right when mm. nobody had vaccines mm-hmm. which is an enormous which is like which is crazy when you really think about it and um, I think it would have made more 
if in 2021 than it would in 2020. Mm. And everyone was calling. Uh, there was the joke on on the team on the other team that was gonna, they were calling it Floppenheimer because mm-hmm. it was going to flop. Wow! And I said, never underestimate Christopher Nolan. They people have been doing it for a decade now, and I think that that's what's so interesting. It's like we knew Barbie was going to do well, but again. Oppenheimer exceeded every expectation. It's actually the bigger surprise and the bigger gamble. And also, you out, not just that it's R-rated, also, it's his first time using nudity, whether you agree or like the nudity in it or not. Like, mm-hmm. that's not necessarily good for mass audiences and getting, mo- uh, like, butts in the seats uh, during the summer. But he got a billion dollars, or, like, nearly a billion dollars out of it? Like, that's, that's nuts. And, yeah, and it didn't hurt Barbie at all because Barbie... Barbie, I mean, they just bled right into each other. They were so perfect for one another. Opposite yin and yang. You know, everybody either wearing black or gray suits opposed to everybody wearing pink. It made, <laughs> it was perfect. And, and I mean, like, it did get kind of watered down into Oppenheimer was for the boys and Barbie's for the girls. But then when the movies came out, uh, that shit went away, right. which was great. Because mm. then it was like, no, these are, these are movies for, uh, for everybody. So everybody should go see him. And that's what you that's what we all love about the movies. I love that the movie just delivered and everybody loved it and the box office held and it had great legs because it was an awesome movie at the end of the day and we I mean the fun the, the coolest thing about Oppenheimer when you look at it and the biggest flex for Nolan in my opinion was that this was essentially a movie about <laughs> about scientists in classrooms talking about the science <laughs> 100 miles an hour. It was about the this Cold War politics and how it seeped into World War II, and it played how it played out years later at a Senate conf- or excuse me a cabinet confirmation hearing. And there was yes, there was the trailer sequence that that the sold the movie about the the testing at Trinity, but that was only a small portion of that film. And right. it's, it opened the movie, but I mean, that movie was just people in rooms talking for the vast majority of it. And I remember after I saw it, Mike, I was like, I can't believe this is what the movie was. And yet right. everybody still loved it. I was almost worried and I should not have been worried. It was a still an awesome movie. I was going to pick originally, it was one of the winners, The uh, I forget her name, but the, uh, the producer at Universal that Christopher Nolan and his wife keep shouting out every time they win an award. Because oh, she sounds like she was most responsible for pushing it through, and right. yeah, I mean to have that pitched as a you know a hundred million dollar movie and think that you can make money off it at a major studio where it is just that where it's just people talking, it's wild, but obviously a huge success. So you did the box office draft there, Ryan and Mike. We oh, yeah, we, we haven't done our year in preview series yet, but I've been looking through the catalog, the calendar of upcoming films, and I don't know, I don't think there is a Barbenheimer coming up next year the closest i could get was <laughs> furiosa and garfield garfiosa which uh our uh, friend andrew morgan at uh, recent activity wanted to call furiosa because i think i like that yeah i, like I mean that. he's he, he did he did make a case for it but i mean if you got certain... that's why you have to show up to the mad max prequel eating a tray of lasagna <clears throat> But if you have I can't certain... wait for the popcorn bucket for it to be fair. <laughs> I think I just want the Dune the popcorn bucket. I'm telling you guys, I've been thinking about good. this Dune popcorn bucket for the last two weeks. It's good uh, for business. By it's the way, good for business. 
<laughs> By the way, it was uh, Donna Langley over at over at Universal. Donna Langley. I, I, I yeah. had Amy Pascal in my head. I'm like, I know that's not right. That's not no, right. that's Sony. Yeah. Right. But like Mufasa and Sonic Three, I don't know. I mean, Nosferatu. If they move Nosferatu around the calendar and just put it with, the, I mean, Feratu is a great suffix to any prefix. I mean, don't they know mm-hmm. what they're doing in these movie studios? I mean, can't they see <laughs> my logic here? No. I, What's I, so weird is because of the strike, there's, it just doesn't seem like a lot of movies got delayed again. So it feels almost yeah. like another COVID year. So I don't know if we're going to have another right. Barbenheimer event this year. But I, uh, 2025, they're I yeah mean, maybe next I, summer. I, I, maybe they'll just do PTA and 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 uh, and to save that for 2025. And him and Tarantino can have the same date, and they can clash whatever. Oh, can you imagine together? That would be pretty good. PTA. Uh, I think I would. That would break my mind. That would With break the boys. The boys yeah. going against one another. Leo and Brad. Oh Ooh, man. Oh boy. Man. Yeah. Well, uh, I guess uh, I'll move into my pick, which is kind of an odd pick here, but I mean, you spoke of the pandemic and i'm wondering if this is pandemic related in the sense that everybody had to be a homeschool teacher in a way at home with their kids <laughs> to that's true and i just found i mean yeah, I, I don't know, know my why wife th- had to teach me a lot <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I i learned a lot of, as well but uh i think look i think people got a, an appreciation for teachers during the covid pandemic and look we have movies about teachers hitting the zeitgeist this year in a major way the holdovers paul giamatti's character oppenheimer again it's about science teachers in classrooms killian murphy is one of those samuel tyson anatomy of a fall marshawn lynch lynch and bottoms of mm. course he was, and my goodness, was he magnificent. He was American great. Fiction's Jeffrey mm-hmm. Wright. Uh, Blue Jean, a little indie movie that I thought was great, Rosie McEwen. Uh, six of my top films on the year were about school teachers, but, I mean, goes down the list. Willem Dafoe's Teaching to the Scientists and Poor Things. Uh, Maestro, Bradley Cooper, Teaching in... in NYU there, I believe. And then, you know, it just goes down the list. Emily, Dream Scenario, Passages, Freud's Last Session, The Lesson, Monster, Indiana Jones and the, and the Duck of Death, or whatever the hell that was. I mean, <laughs> the look Duck at of death. the Teacher's Lounge. I haven't even seen the Teacher's Lounge yet. I don't know if you saw it, Ryan, uh, but about a school teacher. It's That's a good six, movie. 16 critically yeah. acclaimed films with school teachers yeah. as prominent characters, and 12 of them with school teachers as protagonists, the main character. Uh, another 10 films yeah. about coaches, counselors, mentors in title, like titled mentors, masters to apprentices, plus the dominatrix. I mean, you kind of know what movies <laughs> I'm talking about here. Uh, Sanctuary being that one, but Next Goal Wins and Champions about coaches, Gran Turismo about coaches, The Iron Claw about a bad coach, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles about Master Splinter, if you will. Uh, but look at I mean it, it, add to that some I like that you're stretching the uh, the uh, I, like, I, I am just the, I padding the, my stats you're right I'm padding my stats I thought, the, padding the, I thought the dominatrix thing was in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles I watched a different movie than radically did, different kids movie the taste yeah, of things wow. Juliet Juliet Binoche taught me literally how to love and to cook at the same time Ryan um, <laughs> you need to stop with that movie please I was going to say the, the taste God. of things and dominatrix that could be that could be a whole other thing yeah. no yeah oh i mean the taste of things oh god i love the, the taste of things but, i was thinking about that movie the other day i love that movie so much oh, I, I loved it i loved it and uh, and uh, mike knows why i loved it i mean sexiest movie ever <laughs> no, anyway uh that's 32 mike do, you, mike do you not like that movie he, ha- he has an he unhealthy attraction not... to food no i have yeah, not yeah. seen it he's not seen it. He, he has refuses an unhealthy to see it. 
I, I can't now. I can't endorse this. This has been going on all year. I, it's I, I gotta say I, when I saw it. Okay, I went. I was at the Middleburg little story time, folks. Mm-hmm. I was at Middleburg Film Festival, and I was like, oh, it's really early. I don't have any coffee in me. I haven't eaten anything. Oh no! I'll watch this movie. And 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 shout out to my my good friend Mark Johnson over at Awards Daily. He's like, mm-hmm. ah, it wasn't my home. It wasn't my bag. It wasn't my thing, because he had saw the day before. And so I watched it. And the first thirty five minutes of that movie is incredible because it's no, just them no, cooking no, this no, giant no. meal. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and I'm like, "Fuck! I really should have eaten something before this because <laughs> this is like, this is like right up my wheelhouse of just like the Amen. most embarrassing like meal that you could just fall in love with." And so yeah, that movie could have been like about. Like, I don't know, the worst thing on the planet or something like a plane crash could have like it could have been about like time travel at that point after those 35 minutes. And I wouldn't have given a shit because that movie is amazing. It had the food. Exactly. Goods. It gave the you what it, you had the, it. it had the goods. Yeah. It, it was Arby's. It had the meats. <laughs> the last half hour could have been the first half hour of Titan and we still would have loved it. But no, I agree with you. I there think. You I think uh, last year had Abbott Elementary, Big Mouth, Sex Education, Barry Wednesday, Ted Lasso as well on the TV side. But again, padding my stats here, 32 major motion pictures or TV series from 2023 are about teaches, teachers or coach characters, guys. And this has not been the case in recent years. I'm going through my lists in recent years. I mean, I looked at my top 65-ish movies uh, from 2022, only three of them involved teachers, and it's kind of, I mean, it's a stretch. It's like Top Gun Maverick. I mean, Maverick's teaching a flight school, I guess. Right, so right, right, Fine. Tar, I mean, not doing a good job there. Uh, you know, Lydia Tar uh, in the <laughs> not classroom. Not the best teacher, yeah. This, this coming Says year. <laughs> this coming year, Mean Girls, okay, kind of, you know, Tina Fey and Tim Meadows and John Hamm are in the movie, but it's not about them as teachers it's about the kids you have glenn powell who's a school teacher in hitman but again it's about him being a hitman it's not him about him being a school teacher we're not you know gonna have 32 major motion pictures or tv series about teachers in next year so i mean do you think it is the pandemic ryan do you think this was why it happened or you think it's just one of those years where i mean everybody wrote about their favorite teachers in 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 their past I mean, it is an it is an interesting idea, um, for sure. I mean, again, you are twisting the rules uh, of like what a teacher fucking is and what it isn't. I think it's interesting because you can because teachers are. It's not all about the same subject, right? Some of them are about history. Uh, some are about um, the loosely teachers, or they're about writing or the writing process, or about his, you know, or about science, you know, in case of Oppenheimer's case. Mm-hmm. Um, and it leads to very intellectual ideas. And I think that if anything, what you're showing here in your assessment, besides uh, like Indiana Jones and the dial of who gives a shit, mm-hmm. uh, is that most of these movies are really entertaining, but they're really intelligent. And I think mm-hmm. that this year was such a, a vast year of, of really rich cinema, not to make a taste of things um sort of never you know, not here you know side parlay uh but no i think that i think that through um through teaching we as audiences are able to learn things and learn things about people and that's where we're really the most fascinated by them so uh so yeah i i, I think it's a good trend if uh but i don't know who the hell is going to pick up the mantle and continue it you know what i mean 
I hope someone does though, because that's a profession that needs a spotlight on it. And we've just talked about recently, Mike, how Amen. you know when things are really take the zeitgeist by storm in the movie theater, they can bleed out to other areas, including politics. And Lord knows, public school teachers and public schools in general right now need a lot of help uh, and need a spotlight yeah. shined on them uh, for funding and for positions sure. filled and all kinds of stuff. And I come from a family of teachers myself, so I I, I hope uh, that stuff keeps happening. Do we sure. think Giamatti gets a boost? He has made his campaign when it's not about, you know, cheeseburgers, which it should be. I have no problem with this. Mm. But when it's not about in and out, Giamatti has gotten on stage and he's thanked teachers. And he's he comes from a family of teachers as well. And in New Haven, Connecticut, by the way, there, Ryan. I mean, do we think mm. Giamatti is uh you know, is he is he hitting the zeitgeist a little bit with that campaign, with that narrative at all? Does that help him? I think he's hitting it because he's hitting on things that are nostalgic, and that's what is like so great about the holdovers is that it's the right form of nostalgia mm-hmm. rather than being an obnoxious form of it, you know. And it's it's a movie that's that knows what it is. It's not trying to be anything else, and that's okay because it's still really good. Right. And I think that you have that mixed, you know, him being a teacher. I think you have it set in the past. I think, you know, uh, again, it's about this this teacher and this student learning about each other, but then relating to one another. I think that that, that really connects with people. And Giamatti's just a really nice guy. And so it, 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 it kind of helps that, too. I think also, you know, you can't overlook Killian Murphy still is in the race too but i think that you know oppenheimer's going to have so many other places that's where you could continue to reward the holdovers a movie that people really love and an actor that has been making you know these type of kind of warm performances it's like a warm hug from a teacher that gave you a c minus and you wish he would have given you a b <laughs> mm. well i tell you they, they, let movies about lessons learned outside of the classroom obviously with the structure of 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 the the character's uh, title worked through the movie but i mean blue jean outside the classroom obviously uh the holdovers as well i mean they had to go to boston etc so that that was cool to see and speaking of outside the classroom i mean anatomy of a fall about a homeschool teacher there about a college professor featuring uh your number four here ryan or your number two our number four uh and, and the winner of the film year yeah the 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 next the next person I have I have a person here but I think uh, this person had a really big year and then when you look at like the Oscar nominations they have an even better year than you could have possibly imagined and that's um, Sandra Huller um, who had two films come out this year uh, they released out of Cannes and they were the top two films uh, of Cannes yeah mm-hmm. an Anatomy of a Fall and The Zone of Interest. Uh, one was selected by their country, the other one wasn't, and that wasn't, you know, Anatomy wasn't selected. And so, um, but those two films stayed in the conversation. And I have to tell you, um, as much as I love Zone of Interest, and I'll talk about that here in a second, I don't think I saw a film at the festivals that was more in demand that Mm. people wanted to see than Anatomy of a Fall. And that has carried over to its overperformance on Oscar nomination morning, its Golden Globes wins, its uh, ability to stay in the zeitgeist and thus have this conversation about 
uh, a topic that I'll, I'll, you know, talk about in a little bit, but also, you know, being about writers and being about this complicated marriage and this, you know, web of lies and deception and all these different things. Um, and she is at the center of it and she is absolutely incredible because one of the best performances of the year deserved that Oscar nomination alongside her director, Justine Triet for, um, uh, director and writer in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish it had gotten more to be honest, cause I would have loved the, uh, the kid that, that plays her son in the film to get nominated as well. Um, but that movie being the Palm door winner, it carries a lot of weight. So when you finally see it, uh, you watch it and the whole campaign around that movie has been centered around her and her character or whether she did it or not. And that movie is all about trying to capture the little details. And is, does the little details matter in that case? Is it just, you know, painstakingly about, did she do it or not? Mm -hmm. Or did somebody else do it? Or was it an accident or whatever the case may be? And she carries it with enough, uh, I think, deception to carry it over the finish line and make it one of the best films of the year. And then you carry over her work, who is completely different but extremely cold, in Zone of Interest, Jonathan Glazer's film, another film that overperformed, nominated for Best Picture, Director, and Screenplay. Um, and she should have, I think, got double-nommed, in my opinion, because I think she's terrifying uh, in the zone of interest uh that scene where she puts on the fur coat or where she's standing on the dock telling him like this is our paradise is, is that's insane level mm-hmm. shit and it, just i think that no actor this year was able to give extremely crafted complicated performances in two of the best films of the year and then both of those films landed into Best Picture and Best Director and Screenplay. That's an enormous year for an actress that most people outside the world didn't know who she was. But I think now we will all be talking about Sandra Huller for years to come and uh, maybe potentially talk about a little gold statue that she might have on her maybe place when, when March comes around. Hers is my favorite performance on the year. There's no doubt about that it's still yeah. my top ranked I, mike i don't know how you rank her necessarily uh but I, but seeing her in anatomy of a fall and then seeing like the big physical performance in the zone of interest was wild like i i can't get over i saw it back-to-back weekends in in the new york film festival and just the poker face and the emotional blowouts of anatomy of a fall and then like this she looks like an athlete she looks like a I mean, a, a, like a Division One like crew person or something, volleyball player in the zone of interest. I couldn't get over it. just the way she carried herself was entirely different. I mean, that's acting with a capital A, I guess, for Christ's sake. But it was something else. Also, I mean, walking that tightrope, and we talked about this when we talked about the movie, Mike, of, uh, just speaking of anatomy. I still got to see zone of interest. I can't wait to get to it. But just talking about her performance in anatomy, like well, Ryan said, like, Ryan, I don't know where you land on the movie, but to me, me and Mike both came to the same conclusion. I think everyone's, not everyone, but a lot of people have come to the same conclusion that, like, it does seem obvious at the end as to which way the movie at least wants to point you in the direction as to whether or not she did it or not. But yet she has you throughout this movie walking this tightrope where it's like you still have that tension the entire way, even though you come to an ending that seems kind of one direction or at least pointed in one direction if it's not a total misdirect. Which when I first incredible. saw it, I- 
yeah, when I first saw it, I thought it was, I thought it wasn't her. And the second time I saw it, I was like, oh, okay, I think she, I think it is her. Oh, you think she but did do more, it? Yeah, but then like the more I thought about Are it, I'm like, spoil no, it though? She, I mean, well, well it, it, there's not, I mean, if, the, the fact that we no. have differing opinions. I'm a, no, we're, we're not spoiling yeah. it to say that like if she did it or not, yeah. like that's, that's just, I, it's like, well, did she, did she not? Right. I don't know. I'm still conflicted on it. And I think that that's the beauty of it. And yeah. I've had, and some people have been like, oh, that's not, that's not much of a conversation. She did it. I'm like, did she, did you see this part? Do you remember this? And then they're like, oh shit, maybe she didn't. I don't know. That's, I think that that's kind of the brilliance. I don't take much into, I mean, like. And I that's the movie. Like, it's not a who done it. It's yeah. a did she do it? That's the movie it is. Yeah. yeah. It's not like, you know, it's not a. It's also for us as an audience to reflect on the person. It's not about whether she she's a murderer. It's like, what type of person is she? Because it becomes a character assassination more mm-hmm. than anything else. Mm-hmm. A character examination more than anything else. And it's not even about how she is as a mother. It's how she is just as a human being, that fight sequence that she has with um, um, with her husband, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that we see that the audience, that the the jury doesn't see, that the people in there, they only hear it, but we get to see it. Why is that? So then we can see uh, the tonal inflections, but then when the film decides to cut away from it, it's a perfect edit, because then at that point, then we're in the other shoes of like, okay, well, we saw a lot here, but then we didn't see the most important. Yeah, part. I said this. I said this you to know? Mike about that part in specifically. I was like, "This is the most accurate recreation of what it's actually like sitting in a courtroom through a trial uh, that I've probably encountered in the last five years or so." Because you don't get the like. It's, it is a great editing job. You purposely don't get the entire story, but neither does a jury. You don't get the full. You're not blessed with the full context of what these people are in their day to day lives. You're blessed with yeah. snippets of information and the evidence surrounding them. And you have to create your own context, and that's what the evidence... I mean, that's basically what the the verdict is, is you creating the context around these snippets and evidence that you presented. It was a great job Absolutely. by, by uh, Trier. Well, I mean, aggregators, if you're listening, uh, both of these guys are behind the fact and just... you. Well, I mean, Mike's going by a pseudonym, so you just got to go with Ryan McQuaid. You say, <laughs> yeah, some murder is actually love. I mean, we, we agree. We agree here. Uh, Mike... Mike, I think uh, I think film Twitter was about to murder uh, out of love after the Barbie snubs, and you can set all of that right. You can set all of that uh, to, to, to in a better yes. place. We don't have to. Please we do. can just keep the controversy going. I was going to say we all know I do speak for film Twitter, so that's this feels right. Um, <laughs> so. I, I like the, this is a special film year and you can feel that by the way we're talking about this because there are such obvious winners and there's like a list of them and this is a, like of course Anatomy of a Fall is a huge winner you know of course the, the Oppenheimer and Roland, like of course Greta Gerwig is a huge winner and Barbie is a huge winner and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this entry it just had to be mentioned but there's not a whole lot more context I can bring to the situation anyway because it's had rightfully a billion words written about it but I just wanted to run down some of the records broken by Barbie by this female helm film by Greta Gerwig masterpiece basically biggest opening of 2023 biggest opening by a female director ever highest opening for a non-sequel movie career high openings for both margot robbie and ryan gosling movies biggest opening for a movie without imax biggest opening for a toy-based film which sounds ridiculous but then you remember Mm -hmm. that like toy story exists with Mm -hmm. 18 sequels Mm -hmm. so that's not really a small feat 
Uh, it was Warner Brothers' biggest first Monday box office ever. It was the biggest Warner Brothers opening ever. It was the most successful Warner Brothers domestic film ever, most successful Warner Brothers worldwide film ever. It's tied with Deathly Hollows Part 2 for the fastest a WB film has ever broken a billion dollars. It took just 17 days for this movie and that movie to do it. And, of course, it's the highest-grossing film ever by a female director. And, uh, I mean, all of this is thanks to Greta Gerwig as director and the work she and producer Margot Robbie did behind the scenes to clear the hurdles put in place by not only WB, but also going back and forth with Mattel and getting this film made at all in the first place. You could throw Billie Eilish and her success into this as well, as, I mean, she seems poised to win her second Oscar at such a young age, but that's also going to roll into my third pick for winner of the year, which I'll get to in a little bit. But we couldn't talk about winners of 2023 without talking about Greta Gerwig, Margot Robbie, and Barbie overall, just like we couldn't without mentioning Oppenheimer, with Oppenheimer, which Ryan did. Awesome. No, agreed. Word. Amen. Uh, I uh, I looked at the year myself, and I'm looking at the biggest box office hits, and I'm looking at, you know, the biggest storylines as well. And I, I had I had the same kind of uh, entry here with my second pick, and I'm just going to say animated films <laughs> and animation at yeah. large. And it's wild to to have a, an Oscar campaign like Guillermo del Toro's actually segue what was perhaps the most lucrative uh, year of animation in history, uh, if not the most, at least you had the number one animated film in the Super Mario Brothers movie at the box office, uh, which which I liked a lot more than some critics. I don't understand the vitriol from some critics. Again, it's so so popular in it's a, a way. kid's movie i don't understand like yeah it's it's, it's made for children it, it's a kid's movie that i watched probably more than most and it's adults. a nostalgia play yeah i don't i don't i don't understand the vitriol that came with it but it's been a like wall-to-wall a really awesome year for animated films i mean suzume uh the uh, Mag- magician's elephant or the elephant's magician i keep getting that title confused <laughs> it's one of them it's one of those two i'm not entirely <laughs> confident on my pronunciation there but one of those two the first slam dunk i have not seen i don't know if you've seen that ryan but i i want to uh, it's coming on vod at some point but that that was a big the hit first slam on. dunk yeah I, I i hear it i hear great things some people have it highly ranked in their top tens but i don't know i've never heard of this is it anime. starring victor Wembanyama? it is the well if it was the first slam dunk on a 14 foot hoop then <laughs> There you go. Good. Good. But otherwise, I mean, look, <laughs> Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is my favorite film of the year, probably. Um, and I'm rooting for it. However, I'm only half rooting for it because I also love The Boy and the Heron quite a bit. I mean, yeah. Miyazaki's Pan's Labyrinth, his Narnia, his, uh, it's, I, I love that movie, even though I didn't understand that movie, which is another rarity for me. I'm usually like... D- demanding that I get the entire thing, but I don't care. You know, let the friggin' parakeets just... I've uh, known you for years. I've known you for years. It takes you a while. <laughs> it, ta- it takes me... I am... You gotta drag me kicking and sc- screaming sometimes if I don't get it. I was like... I was like, I was like subtlety for you? Exactly. Yeah, you I'm a man a of, of simple and obvious truths and tastes. And... No, and but look, that's why Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Just give me some turtles and some pizza and some some comedy and and good god ice cube mm-hmm. making me laugh that whole film oh. love teenage mutant ninja turtles loved loved i had a, a, a tribeca film festival experience with elemental which was a great room yeah. down at the bmcc there uh in, in tribeca i love love that room it was a big premiere it was a big fun uh day at the movies bmcc uh, sounds like you get a lot of pudding cups there 
Like it sounds like a it sounds like a retirement home. It uh, uh, you know. it's a school just, auditorium just the that school. they've souped up. Okay, they've souped this school well, auditorium else, like, up like, like none other. Sloppy Joe, but is there pudding? <laughs> yeah, is there pudding? I forget what the, is it vanilla what pudding because it's not. It's one of the only places that don't give chocolate pudding, right? It's yeah, that's, uh, that's I, just fucking look, depressing. Now, now you're screwing. Come me on, up come on, Bobby. You're screwing me up, and you make me want to get some pudding immediately. I want pudding. Now. I'm a very impressionable <laughs> hey, I, man, guys. Who doesn't want? Who doesn't want pudding? Right? But look, I mean, Wish, the Disney front in terms of animation was obviously a, a down year for them in terms of their box office, of course, because Wish was a 200 million dollar oh. film that did not do all that well but i still think it has become somewhat of a hit with kids wish so we'll see how it yeah. does on disney plus but i think it'll play a w- pretty well over there i think you know in terms of streaming uh the nimona chicken run dawn of the nugget the magician's elephant or the elephant's magician whatever they did well on netflix and now you got robot dreams kind of as this little cherry on the sunday i mean it, it was an all-time great year for animated films, certainly animated films that I like. And yeah. I just, yeah, I can't. I, Super Mario Brothers is going to have how many sequels? And uh, Spider, Spider-Verse spider has got at you least get a one sequel. more. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> give, give them all. Boy and the Heron's man. getting one. Um, <laughs> no. It's the girl and the parakeet. Yeah. By um, Miyazaki's brother, though. I will watch exactly. anything it's by else. his son, and it will not be good. Right. I will watch anything else he wants to do. But uh, yeah, man, I think yes. uh, I think it was an awesome year for animation, and you think it was an awesome year for another. It's not a movie genre, Ryan, but it's a, it's certainly a movie mm-hmm. subject. Hell yeah! It's it was a it was a huge year for a, this thing called marriage. <laughs> not uh, familiar. It was. It was um, well, guys, is that, is that after Oppenheimer? Uh, is that like a podcast uh, <laughs> partnership? When a man and a man make a podcast about Oscars, um, they form a it's civil basically union. basically a civil um, union. Yes, exactly. Uh, way to step on the joke. Uh, no. Uh, I think it was a big year for uh, movies about or centering around marriage conflicts. Mm. So this is like movies like anatomy of a fall that we talked about this whole central piece of that movie is centered around a marriage and if uh, a a woman killed her husband uh may december is about this unorthodox marriage Mm. and the examination of that killers of the flower moon is about this love storage slash marriage between ernest burkhardt Mm -hmm. and molly uh molly kyle maestro is all about this marriage between the bernsteins priscilla Oppenheimer, the zone of interest. I mean, I could keep going. Yeah. The list goes on and on. You could even talk about the the par- parental marriage component of something like All of Us Strangers. You know, the mm-hmm. marriage in past lives, uh, and how that is completely turned upside down when uh, the childhood crush comes into play. Asteroid City. That's about essentially about somebody losing their wife and the grief that goes there. Same with uh, Origin. Uh, you look at uh, pa- passages and how about somebody is in a, in a marriage and that's crumbling, but then keeps going back to it. The volatile relationships within something like Ferrari um, and an Iron Claw, I think, are are equally interesting. I mean, there there were a lot of movies that dived into the idea of the power dynamics that are centered 
at uh, in and around a marriage. And my, some of my favorite films are, are 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 movies about those struggles within a power dynamic within like something like, you know, Redford's Ordinary People or PTA's Phantom Thread. You know, mm. that come to mind. Um, you know, but I think that you know, I think the movie that kind of did him the best this year for me was May December. That's a, such a chamber piece of a of a movie about this. The, how how does one speak in a marriage where the power is completely unbalanced? And usually we see it where it's the other way around, where the woman is powerless and the man has all the control. And in this mm. case, it's about an older woman and a younger man and the power dynamics there. And I, I mean, that movie is, I, I will say, I do think that movie is darkly funny at times because of the Natalie Portman angle of, <laughs> of the whole thing. And, and the, the manipulation dogs. between Yes, the and the hot, hot dogs, dogs and the manipulation of, of Julianne Moore and, and, and Natalie Portman. But if you just watch the film through Charles Melton's perspective, which I think Charles Melton gives the best performance of anyone in 2023, period. If you just watch his perspective, the movie solely through that, it's one of the most devastating characters put on film in, in so mm. far in the decade. And then you think of like, you know, like I was talking about with Zone of Interest, the marriage dynamic there between the commandant and his wife. Um, super, super fascinating stuff. So, and even in the taste of things that is all about by the end of it, the marriage, and a love of, of food, right? And how all that is, uh, that comes together there too. So, a lot of people say all on love, the mind. Love comes through the stomach. I mean, I'm just, you know, just saying what other. Yeah, people but where say. does it come out of? That's another question. <laughs> no, I, I, I would say, I mean, look, I'm not a. I've, I've said that many times. I'm not a Melton guy. I wasn't crazy about May December when it came out, but I will say it is one of the films that has stuck with me a lot, and I thought about it a yeah. lot. Um, but I will say, just in terms of your overall point of marriage on film this year, like realistic marriages too, because yeah, every marriage has their problems, and it's not like we're seeing like these idyllic couples on screen that are just going about their daily lives here. Like you have a wide, vast swath of intermarital problems that these all these couples are facing that's like makes them more relatable mm-hmm. in different ways because you're plugging it and plucking at so many different emotional strings throughout the the, uh, the length of their run times here so yeah that's a, that's a really good point i think well then uh, then you know well one i i talked about in length about a lot of these movies on uh, pop culture confidential with christina yearling bureau and we did mm. a full episode on it so if you want to go and listen to that podcast Absolutely. please do it's a fin- I love Christina and shout out to her she she does a fantastic show she's the best uh, I got to hang out with her a lot I th- yeah during, I think Mike uh, you did a show with her right yeah 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 we yeah, have yeah. fun yeah, yeah, we got to get her on she's here she's incredible yeah. she yes yeah, she do like she's I said I, we best. need a producer if you guys know yeah. anybody <laughs> need a, an uh, assistant um but could run our lives yeah but then also if you go just off screen and you look at you look at the movies that were made this year were mostly the big ones were made by couples anatomy of a fall written by a couple great point uh, sammy you know may december written uh you know by uh, sammy birch and her husband created with the story barbie and oppenheimer yep you look at both noah bombach and greta gerwig creating the script for that movie but then emma thomas curating uh, and producing Oppenheimer alongside her husband, Christopher Nolan. So marriage is just seeped throughout this year. And uh, whether it be creatively behind the camera or creatively in front of the camera. 
I need to turn it to Jiminy Glick for a second, but uh, why did that happen, Ryan? Was it because everybody was stuck at home <laughs> for a time? I think you know, everybody was period. at home. <laughs> Everybody had to be at home all the time. Why did they go outside? Um, yeah, no. Happen. Uh, happen. Unnerving that the two of you are that good at that impression. You say I'm stuck in 2003. Again, we were all stuck in rooms. Um, but uh, no, I think that, um, I, yeah, I think that some people choose to uh, work alone. Uh, also, oh, by the way, past lives. Uh, written by a woman about her marriage and then Mm -hmm. made one of the best movies of the year Uh, and then her husband then went and made Challengers which is another low triangle film that's coming out this year so fascinating stuff going on in that home but anyway (laughs) no I think that I think that when you're working with your creative partner and I think I think it's just different I think that the pandemic changed us a lot it definitely changed my marriage I mean we um, not to toot my own horn, but me and my wife, we're the closest we've ever been. And I think a lot of that had to be because you were really reliant and trusting that person even more than just what you say in a vow. Rub it in, Rye. I'm just saying. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's beautiful to hear. That is beautiful. You know, I'm just saying that when you, when you see that person every day, you just go, well, if I was going to work with anybody else. Why don't I just work with this person that I'm getting all my feedback with that mm-hmm. I don't have to, you know, get on a Zoom with every day and just walk across the room. And I think that that happened for a lot of people. I don't know if they're going to keep doing it. You know what I mean? Most of them. Uh, but uh, but that's what it just seemed to be the trend like this year. And I think also, yeah. again, power dynamics. It's just an interesting thing to talk about uh, and uh, and how one loves someone who has power, who has control. You know, when you think about through killers of the flower moon i completely understand why they wanted to go with that more than just a story about the fbi it's it's i think just as interesting about Mm. the seediness of someone to be in a relationship like that and do those things it's um but also be easily manipulated by others i think it's yeah it's fascinating stuff so a lot of couples pondered and and about relate their relationships and Wrote it down on paper, Mike, and then a lot, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of good movies came out of it, and then a lot of the young people, unmarried, they were brooding during this time. They were not in a relationship. They were, or at least an open one. Were they hooking seems, up? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's more than us. <laughs> let's say that. But uh, yeah, it's kind of the opposite end of the uh, the marriage spectrum, where Ryan just took everyone and saying how, how what a great year for married movies or married movies about marriages, at least. That 2023 was. I, 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 look, I'm, this is an olive branch more than anything. Okay. I'm doing this reluctantly, but this is, uh, I, I picked for my last pick the, the winner of 2023, brooding young Hollywood, young, sexy Hollywood with their talent and their jerks. All right. I'm going to start with people I don't have a lifelong grudge against. I alluded to this in the uh, the Barbie section I talked about last, but Billie Eilish, nine Grammy wins now to her name, just won two more this past weekend, probably procured her second Oscar nom. She just turned 22 in December. Mm. The world is her oyster as much as it is Taylor Wait, Swift. Wait, she turned 22 in December? That's right. Yep. Unbelievable. Crazy. Okay. I hate my I hate my life. Yeah. The the amount this this list is not going to make you feel better, Ryan. I apologize in advance, but why am I on here? Again? I was crying. Right. Is this, this is this for this part? <laughs> yeah. Are you guys trying to get me depressed? Like, 
like, yeah, I'm sorry, man. I, I don't have anything to tell you. Well, you just, we were friends. We're in this. I I we're in not. this. We're in this boat together now on this life raft. Right. Um, Shit, I don't know how to get out of here. There's water. You know, all you out there. There's water everywhere. <laughs> Uh, Ao Adebri, Rachel Sennett, uh, the, uh, she Ao had a Marvel casting. She had an Emmy win, a Globe win, Critics Choice win. She was an SNL host. The two of them they made Bottoms together. Thirteen million dollars at the box office. Seventy four Metascore. They're both twenty eight years old. Geraldine Viswanathan had a Marvel casting replacing Ao Adebri. Uh, hype for Cat Person. Driveway Dolls was going to be one of the biggest uh, hyped movies of 2023. They moved it to 2024. She did have Beanie Bubble as well. She's 28. Margaret Qualley is also in Driveway Dolls. Had some scene-stealing uh, images and poor things as well. She's 29. Emma Stone might be the queen of young, brooding Hollywood. She is Emma Stone, which is a, a very big positive in her favor there. But she also was the star of Poor Things, obviously, which is up to $69 million in the box office. She had a nice. hit TV show. The curse. Nice. Thank you. <laughs> Might also be getting her second Oscar before the age of 36 when all things are said and done in a month or so. Okay. Those are the people I like. Now I will do my <laughs> olive branching. The Saltburn Boys had a very, very good 2023. And my grudge is not against Barry Keoghan, as anyone who listens to the show knows. Barry Keoghan started the year with an Oscar nom for Banshees of Inishirin. He started the year with a BAFTA win for that same role. Uh, 31 years old. He uh, was in Saltburn. All of him was in Saltburn. Congratulations to him. His co-star yes, in Saltburn. Yeah. <laughs> I, another reason I'm jealous. His co-star in Saltburn. Uh, all right. Jacob Elordi. Hell yeah. He's a very good actor. He's very yeah, good at he what is. he does. Saltburn's he up to $21 million. He's a beautiful man. $30 million Priscilla at the box office. Hosted SNL. He was funny. I laughed and I hated myself for it. Good year for Brooding Hollywood. Good year for Jacob Elordi, that jerk. I just wanted to mention that as an olive branch for the uh, the bit I've been running all of 2023 on the show. Yeah. Jacob Elordi. Good for good you, year. man. Good for you for taking the the the, the, the right approach. I'm going to edit you know? this entire section out of this episode. Also, too, you could you could focus on the fact that like if you wanted to keep going, like Paul Mescal had another great oh, year. Yeah. Yeah, films there and an Oscar nomination to go with. He could go, of course, also with with Charles Melton, like I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Good point. Um, you know, it was a, there was it was a really good year. For You're just, pushing yeah. your luck but here, yeah, Ryan. Barry. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying he had a great year. He's just locked in. And, you know, he's going to lock in more. I mean, it was an un, I mean, you go on Riverdale and then try to do a performance like that. I mean, uh... KJ Apa could never. You know, right. <laughs> I'm waiting for the uh, the Jacob Elordi Charles Melton like double handed feature that's coming down the pipeline at some point. <laughs> I think if I think if you had a Charles Melton Jacob Elordi double handed feature is what you just said. <laughs> I think that that's gonna send a lot of people screaming for joy. All right, hey, along those lines, by the way, and you bring up a good point. Big year for nudity in 2023. Poor things. Uh, yeah, Oppenheimer. no one ever, no, no one talked about nudity at all online, and everybody handled it completely fine. Nobody acted like a complete fucking buffoon. Well, about nudity and had to be like literally censored for their stupid comments about literally <laughs> just people doing one of the most human things on the planet mm-hmm. nudity well that's that didn't why happen at all right 
That's why we're going to close our show with the uh, number nine and the, my number three, but with a bullet. Perverts, we won. I mean, they won. I mean, perverts won the year. I mean, no. uh, they won. Who won? No, 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 no. Is that actually no. your third one? I didn't. No, even no, no. I, oh. I had. If that was, but it's good true for you. Well, we'll agree on the tenth then. Instead, we'll we'll throw out the uh, SAG and <laughs> instead of all the actors unions, guild, the yeah. unions and the labor and the fists in the air. We'll just big say perverts. year for pervs. Perverts big, won the year. Huge year for pervs. Um, but this is an no, olive, speaking pick, speaking of olive branches. Mike threw one to all of young Hollywood because I, mean, I don't know. It just rhymes with schmellishy, schmellishy, schmell. Am I pronouncing that right, Mike? Uh, but you've you've had a, a grudge or sure. two, yeah. Mike. Against, Mike, and, yeah. Mike, Mike, and Oscar listeners, listeners, please get these guys a dictionary. What the fuck <laughs> is going on? I am going to throw an olive branch to my co-host here and say that gamer IP, video games and movies about them, is the winner. My last winner of the year. I mean, obviously, I've talked about the Super Mario Brothers movie animation record of one point three six one billion at the box office, but Five Nights at Freddy's. 289 million worldwide the most impressive part of that is the 80 million dollar opening weekend day and date with a simultaneous peacock streaming release the last of us we're not talking about tv necessarily but all in the last of us had viewership and ratings via nielsen and everybody calculating the streaming ratings the last of us was hbo's highest rated show since the final season of game of thrones and we know what a worldwide hit game of thrones was it was outpacing house of the dragon for much of its run the last of us it's the highest highest performing show in latin america uh eight wins out of 24 emmy nominations for the last of us three critics choice noms one nom apiece a dga pga sag a critical hit and i'm looking through I'm looking through the video game IP on all of the the websites today, and I don't think there is another critical, critically acclaimed hit like The Last of Us from video game IP yet uh, the, the, to, to its equals. So that's a tremendous uh, move for video game IP there. Yes, Gran Turismo, not as big of a hit in terms of gamer IP, even though I think... I think that money is paid for. I think those budgets are paid for by this Netflix deal. I think Sony is going to be just fine. The Netflix it's a deal, better movie than movies, any any movie being based on that IP had right being though. Pretty good movie, yeah. I agree. One twenty one million. Thank worldwide. God that trailer's out of the fucking theaters too. That's that's <laughs> true. That was my going to pee. Trailer. That trailer's still going. <laughs> yeah, we talk about the Argyle trailer. The Gran Turismo trailer had six intros to get into the freaking thing, and it was like, what the hell are we doing here? Yeah, anyway, listen. Sorry. I can't wait to pee when Nicole Kidman gets up there and just blathers on. But there's always a trailer at my AMC that that's your get your pee break. You go to pee when yeah. Gran Turismo trailer comes on. <laughs> One love. I, I, I the Bob a Marley movie, movie to start at six forty five. I want a movie to start at six forty five. God bless. No more Bob Marley. But I, I have to pee every time that trailer comes on because it's like it's like a dog that goes outside. Oh, is there I a Bob Marley movie coming out? <laughs> Every yeah, single film uh, I see at AMC. I, I, didn't, I didn't know. Yeah. I wasn't I inundated a, with the marketing for it. I go a couple times a week hey. and every single movie. But to back to my point, you I mean you had <laughs> streaming and is indie titles about video game IP, Tetris. Well, I'm pinball to an extent. I, I think you're going to get more of that going forward. But look, we haven't seen these You are movies. getting more of it, Link. There you go. But Zelda, we haven't. The uh, movie's going. 
Oh, I mean, Detective Pikachu 2 is coming out. Sonic is going to have how many sequels? I mean, if The Rock wants to do Rampage 2, and if Uncharted 2 wants to happen, I mean, those are going to happen. I mean, Gamer IP has uh, done well, conservatively well in the past. Those movies are somewhat profitable, I would say, in theaters. I'm sure they became, you know, money makers, uh, second and third windows and lives. But, I mean, we've had a lot of stinkers in the past. I mean, the middle of this dec- this past decade, Warcraft, Assassin's Creed, Tomb Raider, those were misfires, at least in theaters. So to see the Mario and the Freddies coming out and all those sequels that's going to happen there, Borderlands, Sonic 3, Minecraft, those are the probably the next big three. You mentioned it, Mike. Zelda is going to be a, a huge, huge movie in terms of the film Twitter zeitgeist, but not just film Twitter. I mean, ter- in terms of the internet, oh, my God. It's gonna We're going to have to delete mayhem. our Twitter account when that Zelda movie yeah. comes out. It's going to be crazy. But I could see comic book movies finding their salvation again, or at least their second life, with Batman maybe going to the Arkham series, or Spider-Man bringing Miles Morales into live-action with uh, that storyline that we saw in the video game, what, what a hit that was. So, I mean, I could totally see video games going, uh, video game IP, you know, seeping into the MCU or whatnot. So we'll, we'll see. I think mm-hmm. a huge winner on the year. Damn, that sounds great. <laughs> Are you a big gamer, Ray? No, I just don't, I just, I just don't need another. Look, you, comic books, mm-hmm. comic books did a great job this year. They started to die. And now, like the idea of, of video games then replacing it, it's just like, God damn it, we're not learning a damn thing from well, the you're idea. A purist. Of, <laughs> you're a purist. From Barbenheimer and and and, mm-hmm. I rather see more movies like Oppenheimer be made. That's right. just me. Like and and I like to, and even yes, Barbie is an IP, but it's an IP that's done in a way that still feels like a Greta Gerwig movie. I agree um, with you. And even though she had to fight fight a lot. You know, even, I think that they, that's better. Than, even the you know. golden age of cinema in the you know the forties and fifties, though. I mean, it was one adaptation of a hit novel after another. I know. So I mean, we. I know, buddy, but but we've I always mean, been. I think there's. You don't think there's room for both. I mean, I, I agree with you in that I want the movies to be to feel like well, original IPs, and like they shouldn't. I, yeah. You know, they shouldn't I mean, just I, I be think, straight from the video games. I think that I think that there's room for both, but the idea of that okay, well they know comic book movies are successful, even though yeah, I had a down year, they're still going to make them, mm-hmm. and because they're still going to make money, and then these things start becoming successful. So then the only thing you can make is, it, it just goes back to the thing of I'd like to see original films be made from original people. It's not even you know like, you know you read a book like American Prometheus and you go. Well, shit, how the hell are you going to make that? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like you you see Barbie and you go, well, how the hell? Even though Barbie is an IP, that's very original. Like, where's the Barbie movie or book that had, you know, half the fucking jokes that that movie had? You know what I mean? So I, I just you, you got to do interesting things with IP rather than just what I fear a lot of these things do, which is complete fan service for the yeah. sake of it to try to get the money and it'd be a cash grab. So. I think that there's a balance to to do it, but I also feel like we're getting away from, you know, the, the reason why I, I like the John Wick films so much is because they created their own world, their own sort of thing uh, over the last couple of years. Um, whether you think that those movies are crazy or whatnot, it's like, at least they're trying, 
-hmm. You know, at least they're trying to do something, even though it might feel familiar from other inspired from other action movies or whatnot. They're trying to do something new to entice audiences to get there rather than just being like, hey, um, you know, that uh, Last of Us game uh, that's pretty much a story. Yeah, what if we just added some really like realistic characters and maybe an extra episode or two? Uh, what if we just did that? You know, it, and and so it's it, it's it's a little frustrating. But I, I mean, you know, it this is like the first time ever that they actually stuck any of the landing on these things. So maybe I'm just maybe I'm just once again Ryan McQuaid coming on here being a fucking pessimist. You know what I mean? About the state of Saturday, we teed it up for you too, pal. It's like only winners. The winners I know you're like year. you're like oh what a great year for like, these movies and like even, fucking death of the fucking cinemas. You know even so. sour puss Ryan can't take this one down. No, I think yeah. I think the, I I think you did a marvelous job with that PSA. We're we're the two of us. I mean, we only hate the best here at Mike, Mike, and Oscar is what mm -hmm. we like to say. It's true. Um, we only get on the Oscar-nominated films of the Oscar. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the, the highest achievement of the film year films, and we only, uh, yeah, take the take the piss out of those but i i do i do love that psa and and mike i want you to give one quickly and ryan please feel free to follow it up on i mean seriously this was a big year for unions mike i mean we're, we're going with unions oh, yeah. as our number 10 here yeah yeah and yeah I, we have to go i, I think unions. the uh the theater going audience is a winner too along with the unions but yeah i mean Look, and we're going to see uh, we're we're seeing more of the fallout of the uh, WGA uh, labor agreement. We're seeing more of the fallout of the SAG after labor agreement, and we're going to see how those two unions doing what they did is going to affect IATSE and you know uh, Hollywood Collective going forward and the Teamsters yeah. going forward. We talked about that recently, but these are the people who are responsible for this stuff getting done and us being able to enjoy any movies whatsoever. So the fact that they did get these big wins, and I know there's people within these unions, especially in the SAG deal, you know, the uh, the lesser known actors, the average everyday actors might be upset about some stuff in the SAG deal having to do with AI. I think overall, by and large, and this is a point you made to me last night, Mike, I agree with, like, I think you have to count these agreements as wins. No, right? Mm. Yeah, I mean, it was... It was so... It was such a weird thing because, yeah, Barbie and Oppenheimer came out. I think they benefited also, too, from, like, everyone thinking Hollywood shut down and these are the last two gifts also mm -hmm. oh, that okay. Hollywood's going to give us for a while, right? The two big gifts. Because, like, look at it. Oppenheimer and Barbie, like, what other blockbuster really, like, hit hit the ground running except mm -hmm. what's coming out now, which is Dune. Like, if Dune had come out, then we were like, oh, yeah, movies may have been back. But they delayed it until now. So, like... You know, this is this is you know where audiences kind of wanted to be in that perfect world, and and they didn't really get it, and and they got it with those two films. But it was, you know, I have to say that. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna say this, and it might get you and guys in trouble. So sorry to you guys and your followers, but <laughs> I was so fucking pissed off that Time Magazine picked a music singer who's a billionaire. And had a cat on her head. I do not endorse this. Inst no. Instead of instead of the unions, because they mm. were such a huge story, and it's so, more important than a pop star. Wow, who's a monopoly? Okay. It, no, it is because yeah. it affects the damn industry that she's in on all sides. No, I agree. And I, and I think that 
you know, this is just the you you mentioned it perfectly, so I have to give you credit is that what the WGA and SAG were fighting for are basic human rights mm-hmm. that they need to survive in this industry. If you know anybody that lives in Los Angeles, it is not a place that you can just easily live. This industry is very cut cut and dry, cutthroat, and these guys were and and girls were asking for just basic ways to survive. And I'm glad the WGA and SAG got their deals. They fought so hard and pushed against these studios, and these studios should get their punishment for not just basically able to concede the simplest of, of revenue or anything to the people that are making this for them. But doing it also at a consequence to say like, we don't care if they lose their houses, their health cares, their pensions for the retirement. And these are the writers in SAG, let alone then the IATSE tech, um, you know, behind mm-hmm. the scenes craft people that couldn't work either that were starting to lose their benefits mm-hmm. as well. And I think that these studios have to learn that, yeah, we're moving in an age of streaming and we're moving in towards this and this and that, but there's still a human being factor to all this. And the AI business of it all was extremely the reason why, you know, major companies are starting to cut all these people to go to automation. But I can tell you this, you could have an AI generated movie, but you could tell if it was crap. We can tell by movies nowadays written and directed by human beings that we know feel like it's made out of a machine and they're crap. So I think that these deals were hard fought. I do not think they're perfect, but they're good for now. And that's the beauty of it. They're only three-year deals. Mm-hmm. So we can, they can go back to the table and do it more and more. And honestly, it's up to Hollywood to keep and the, the executives and the studios to continue to to give them what they want and not move the goalpost. But I want to, you know, when we talk about these studios, it's the big studios, it's the big streamers. Mm-hmm. Shout out to A24, to Neon, to the smaller studios that have the backs of their artists and support them. But all we know is, what we do know is the major studios have to play ball going forward. That's the only way any of this gets done. But they are, those people that were out there every single day, it's the captains and everything, they're the real um, people of the year. They're the real, um, quote-unquote, MVPs mm. of, of 2023, in my opinion. They fought, and they never wavered, and they could have, and they got the best they could, um, and, you know... Down with the billionaires. I never agree with you, Ryan, but uh, yeah, it's because you're mostly wrong. But I think uh, there I do. <laughs> Except I mean, about the man. Taylor Swift stuff. We don't endorse that. Well, don't come I think. For us Swifties. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that would be the mic drop of all time. He sends the Swifties out. No, I agree. I agree with Mike there. I think. Uh, I'm, I'm swarm! Proud of swarm! <laughs> I'm proud of Taylor Swift for keeping movie theaters afloat. With uh, the concert film there, uh, the Eras tour that was that was awesome with AMC, and she did that outside of the I mean, studio system. So sure. uh, I don't 
really mind the uh, NFL stuff right now and the cutaways. Oh, I don't mind that either. People, people can go. People yeah, can I go shut the fuck up about that. Like, yeah. I, I really she's just going to see her boyfriend. Yeah. I think it's that. I think if anything, for me, it's like the albums and the movie and all this stuff. It's like I like my artists to like leave every now and then for three to five years or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But she's got every right to go do so. And if you're some asshole out there that wants to like, oh, my country used to not play. Like, they show <laughs> Jack Nicholson and fucking, you know, Denzel and Spike uh, Spike Lee and fucking Nick Games. Like, get the fuck over yourself, people. Anyway, sorry, that's not the point. We we had a game. Uh, it was a big one of our bigger games of the year. I'm a high school football coach. And the level of the opposition stands when a Taylor Swift song came on I thought the I thought the whole bleachers were gonna fall off. It's not like Texas football, Ryan, here in Connecticut, <laughs> where you guys have actual yeah. stadiums. No, these are rickety bleachers, but it was full of kids, and the thing was rocking. Everybody singing the this Taylor Swift song. I thought they were, I thought the whole thing was gonna collapse. It was unbelievable, but that's how mm. much they they love her uh, here. Yep. You know, everywhere. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, unions r- rule. <laughs> Unions and, do uh, well. That's I mean that's that's the the bottom line of any of this, and why I, I, what I kept saying every time we talked about either the SAG strike or the WGA strike is I mean I don't know what more evidence you need to show the importance of unions and why they're necessary and why if you are a, at any level at a job other than a C suite why you should want one and try to start one. Um, but that's I mean it's it's pretty self evident. All you got to do is look to Hollywood and not to like the George Clooney's and the Brad Pitt's and the, the A-listers, but look to the working actors and the working tech guys and the working set guys and, and all of that. And I mean, it's no one's going to look out for the little guy except for a group of little guys. Yep. Word. Love it. Uh, Ryan, thank you so much for being here today. Words of wisdom for today to enjoy the work of Ryan McQuaid on the internet on awardswatch.com uh, at in session film at the playlist there. Ryan, you had one more that you, uh, excuse me, I'm, I'm dropping the ball here. What else is new? I do stuff over at film speak every film now and speak. then too. Uh, the I'll do news. it any, I'll, I'll come on any website, do anything. Um, just, uh, just hire me. That's um, perverse. Uh, yeah. Over <laughs> at, yeah, or don't. And I just, and I just, you know, fire me. I don't know. Um, over, uh, yeah. Over at awardswatch.com. It's where most of my stuff's at. I'll be doing, uh, starting uh, uh, in March, uh, I'll be at South by Southwest. We've got our Awards Watch podcast that's over there. We are covering the Oscars just like you guys every single week, doing a bunch of fun stuff. I have the Director Watch series that I do with my friend uh, yes. and longtime co-host Jay Ledbetter. We're in the middle of a William Freakin movie series. Uh, nice. And we'll have a bunch of more exciting series to come this year. I've been really um, uh, enjoying all of those. Mm. And, uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, Ryan McQuaid 77 and, uh, and thank you guys so much for having me. No, thank you for coming, buddy. And as always, uh, what matters to us, dear listener, your thoughts. If you have anything you want to talk about from this episode, if I can speak once again, intros and outros are tough for me, apparently, uh, or anything else we touch on here in the MMO Empire, as always, you can leave us your thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns at Mike, Mike, and Oscar on both Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter or X, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We're available wherever you do hear podcasts. And if you appreciate what we do, you appreciate what Ryan does, if you wouldn't mind leaving us and him five-star reviews on wherever you hear podcasts, podcast those help us out immensely uh guys when reality sucks you can come talk about taylor swift and the unions at least with us and our friends we are mike mike and oscar trying to make award season year round without the stuffiness ryan thank you once again buddy we'll see you all very soon 
See ya.